Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to the latest edition of the Pump Fake. Jared Bailey, USA Today, behind the steel curtain on SB Nation with you as always. Joined today by maybe the smartest man in football, Aaron Schatz. It's so good to see you, sir. How are you? Oh, thank you for, I mean, that's a very kind introduction. I'm doing well. <laughs> um, let, let's start with that weirdness that was last night, by the way. Uh, the New Orleans Saints... I do want to touch on them real quick. I feel like they tricked themselves coming into this year being a team that was like, oh, man, we can get, you know, a serviceable quarterback, a guy who it was better than the average, uh, better than the average Joe. We'll get Derek Carr. We'll be fine. And we're kind of seeing that, okay, maybe Derek Carr is just kind of a guy. I think he's 22nd in the NFL right now in EPA per play. Saints offense can't score points. What do you make of New Orleans? I mean, I don't think they – tripped themselves i think it was all right let's get ourselves a serviceable quarterback we're in a bad division we can make the playoffs and guess what they got themselves a serviceable quarterback they're in a bad division and they can make the playoffs and once they get there you know anything can happen although it's not likely to i mean it's you know i mean at a certain point they're going to have to stop pushing their salary cap money up the road and they're going to have to take their lumps but you know, they every year they redo contracts and they move the money forward and they field this very average team. And there's no yeah. Drew Brees anymore to lift that average team. So, I mean, we saw, uh, thought coming into the season, we had the Saints as a below average offense and an above average defense with the easiest schedule in the league and thought that would make them a playoff team. And I think what we've ended up with is the Saints are a below-average offense with an above-average defense with the easiest schedule in the league, and I think they're going to end up a playoff team, and they're going to lose in the first round. You know, yeah, I think they're... they have the best chance to win that division and then lose in the first round to uh, whoever is the fifth seed. Yeah, I was going to say, their ceiling is winning the NFC South with like nine wins and then getting violated by like Dallas in the wild card round. No, their ceiling is winning the NFC South with like 10 wins. <laughs> like their defense has guys, and we know that. Like Cam Jordan's a respected vet. They got some nice pieces on that front seven. Yeah, DeMario been... Davis, Granderson, yeah. uh, and uh, 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 sorry, uh, um, uh, Taylor, Adante Taylor's having a good year. Alante Taylor's having a good year. Marshawn Lattimore is good. Like, they've got guys. It's just on the offensive side of the ball. It's Alvin Kamara, it's Chris Olave, who apparently they just can't find any chemistry in terms of him and Derek Carr. And then you know, Rashid Shaheed. Like, nothing against Rashid Shaheed, but, like, if he seems to be the predominant number two guy, I'm not really buying into, oh, my goodness, Michael Thomas is back after, you know, one one catch. I they're having all kinds of offensive line problems, like a lot of teams in the league. I mean, if there's any lesson of this year between the preseason and the first six weeks of the regular season, I think what we've learned is offensive line is not a deep position. 
Yes. And once you start having offensive problems, like look at the Giants, look at the Patriots, look at the Saints. Like once you start having offensive line problems, Oigavolt. Offensive line depth is the biggest myth in sports right now, I think. There is none. <laughs> There's no such thing. It's not, it doesn't exist. Either you got five guys that you can rely on, or you're gonna have to turn to somebody who's not very good and gonna get beat by you know really good defensive front sevens. Um, yeah, like they had Andres Pete last night. Uh he had to move to left tackle and Josh Allen was beating him up, and then you have a bad guard because your guard moved to tackle, and it's just a, a mess. We'll flip to the other side because Jacksonville, the worry coming in was okay, how good. Is Trevor Lawrence going to be on the bum knee? He looked fine. Um, they, how do I want to say this about the Jaguars? I feel like sometimes they kind of get in their own way too. Like there were several times last night where I was concerned that like Matt Canada had snuck his way into the Jaguars booth and took the headset off Press Taylor and was like, okay, I'm going to call plays. So many like early down like reverses and jets and just like weird play calling. But we're starting to see that like guys like Christian Kirk are still maybe a little bit more valuable to the offense than Calvin Ridley is so far. It seems that it's taken them a little bit to get him to that stage where they Well, they got him, him the first couple of weeks they found yeah. him, and then he sort of got – he's sort of – they're having a hard time finding him the last couple of weeks. I also think you've got to bring in Jamal Agnew sometimes and not give him the ball. <laughs> Can't be a tell where every time Jamal Agnew comes in, he's going to run a reverse and get the ball. They have a very bad poker face when it comes to when they bring him into the uh, into the huddle. Yeah. Oh, I don't know if you had anything else to build off that. That's that my fault. No, I mean, Ag, you know, Agnew's the he's the gadget guy. So, you know, you can't make it so every time the gadget guy comes in, he gets the ball because then you know who gets the ball. It's the gadget guy. How do you feel about both these teams after last night? Jaguars are 5-2. and two. They seem head and shoulders above everybody else in their division. The Saints are now 3-4, and four, but, like, Tampa has been up and down. Like, Baker has had a respectable season thus far, and that's been nice to see. And I think that they probably have the most weapons that scare you. Um, and then Atlanta, if they had a competent quarterback, I would be so much more confident in them because their defense is really good. How do you feel about New Orleans and Jacksonville, respectively? I, I, I'm sort of still on my priors in the NFC South. We thought New Orleans and Atlanta were both going to be playoff teams because of easy schedules. I'm just not a big Tampa Bay believer. I still feel like Atlanta has a you know improved defense and – um, an easy schedule in New Orleans has a good defense and an easy schedule. And I think New Orleans will be fine in the long run. And the Jaguars are a good team, but not a great team. And they've, you know, they'll win their division and then we'll see what happens in the playoffs. But I, you know, their defense has been a little bit better than I expected this year, but their defense the most expected not, this year. Their, their defense is not, it's not a really good defense. It's uh, you know, and Lawrence is, has never quite lived up to the potential, but you know, it's the possibility that he will is still there, right? Like he's got so much talent. Yeah. And in terms of like what he's going up against, like Tennessee's bad. And you no, know, I know that some fans are like calling for, okay, let's see what you know Malik Willis has or Will Levis. Well, we saw what Malik Willis has. He's got zero pocket presence and he got sacked five times in 15 plays against Baltimore when he came in. Oh, yeah. He's Tennessee is just kind of there and Indianapolis without Richardson's just kind of a sitting duck kind of the there and Houston is a surprisingly frisky, but I, you yes. know, I think it's Jacksonville's division. We'll touch a little bit more on CJ Stroud in a little bit because I'm fascinated by him and what he's done this year. Um, we'll get into the Sunday slate though. Um, we'll start with kind of the cream of the crop. 
Eagles, Dolphins, Sunday night football. Eagles are wearing the Kelly greens. There's no way they can lose Aaron shots and those beautiful fabrics. Um, Miami's kind of been the story of the season. Their number one in EPA per play. The offense has been absurd. Philadelphia, though, I've talked about this for the past few weeks. It feels like they like they haven't looked like the 2022 Eagles yet. I feel like their offense has been very weird. They've played yeah, a lot they, of they've managed teams. to go five and one without really blowing anybody away. They're like yes. seventh or something. They're seventh in DVOA, even at five and one. So yeah. And I was going to ask you about that. You know, we talk about EPA and whatnot. What what does DVOA say about both of these teams in terms of Miami and Philadelphia coming into this matchup? We have Miami fourth overall. They are the third best offense we have ever tracked through six games. Goodness gracious. Going back to 1981. Who are the but other two? 20, asking. The other two were the uh, 2000 Rams mm. and the 1999 Redskins. Goodness gracious. Who you're like, Brad Johnson, like Michael yeah. Westbrook, Stephen David. But they were phenomenal through the first half of the season and then very ordinary through the second half of the season. 99 Redskins are an interesting. I was trying to think team. of who their quarterback was, so I'm glad that you said Brad Johnson. Brad Johnson, like, yeah. It's like a very good, very good pop quiz answer, that that one. The, um, the defense is 27th, though, and the special teams are 30th. Like the Vic Fangio... Uh, I said before the season that I thought people were overrating the Miami defense because Vic Fangio does not have a habit of turning defenses around immediately. But this has actually been worse than I expected on defense. And I that's a good that's good news for Miami fans, right? Because offense is more predictive than defense, and the likelihood that their offense will get worse is not as strong as the likelihood that their defense will get better. So, I mean, I think Miami is definitely a top Super Bowl contender because that offense is so good and that, I, you know, I think they can have an average defense by the end of the year. I don't think it's going to be a good defense, but I think they can have an average defense. Now they're getting Jalen Ramsey back, which we assume will boost the secondary yeah, and whatnot. Yeah. How much of it has been, because the change in philosophy has kind of been the talking point with this defense where, you know, they, the, Fangio's not going to send a lot of heat. He's going to rely on the front four to win outright. Um, and they've got like Jalen Phillips is good. Bradley Chubb is good. Uh, Wilkins on the inside. Like those are good pieces. Um, how much of the change in philosophy do you think has impacted them? Not just the outside of the Ramsey injury injury. How much do you think it's just, okay, we need to figure this out, you know, from a complete change of what it was last year. Well, you know, my feeling is always by the time we get into October, you, you should have your new scheme figured out. You had preseason and you had camp and you had September and, um, I mean, they're, the secondary is just not playing that well right. this year compared to some Pat, you know, Kat Caterco, who was really, really good last year as a rookie, not so good this year. Um, they're doing a bunch of weird things with him, though, aren't they? Like they're moving him all around the defense and whatnot. And he's, I think he's predominantly playing at a spot where he's probably not best suited for. I think once Ramsey, once Ramsey comes back, like the parts click back into place a lot yeah. better, you know? Um, so, like I said, I think Miami's defense will get better. It's not going to be what people thought. People are like, oh, the Miami could have a top five defense. They've got so many talented players. That's not going to happen. But they could. Their linebackers as well also aren't very good. Yeah. They could have an average defense. And this offense is so powerful that with an average defense, they may be the best team in the league if they have the if they have an average defense. 
What do you make of Philadelphia after the performance against the Jets? Obviously, Lane Johnson goes down. Jack Driscoll steps in. It's not a very pretty performance. Jalen Hurts turns the ball over a bunch. The offense just doesn't get into a rhythm, um, and they lose their first game of the season. Um, we've they're not going to have a they're not going to have a minus four turnover margin very often. Sure, I think that sure. game was a little fluky. It, I'll, I'll hear you on that. At the same time, though, like they didn't look great against New England. They didn't look great against Minnesota. Tampa Bay was a weird game. They they looked fine against Washington, but even then, the, the Commanders put up points against them. I just feel like we haven't seen them dominate yet this year. Yeah, and their pass defense has been off. They're only 20th in the pass defense DVOA. The run defense has been very, very strong, but the pass defense has been off. We haven't seen them dominate this year, but they're good. They haven't been great. They haven't been as good as last year on both offense and defense. They haven't been quite as good as last year, but you know, they're five and one. So there's worse things to be. That's true. I mean, if you're figuring it out, it's better to stack wins and figure it out rather than be, you know, three and two, two and three. And you know, everybody thinks that the sky is falling. Um, where are you leaning on this matchup? I have to pull up the, uh, I want to pull up the betting odds for it right now. Uh, I don't Yeah, Miami. Uh, the Eagles are favored by two and a half. That sounds about right. And I like Miami. Uh, you know, it's at the Eagles. Yeah. Um, so I don't, that line seems off to me because I think the Dolphins are the better team. If you think of okay. about one and a half points, at this point, home field advantage is not worth what it used to be. It's worth more like one and a half. I think the line should more be Eagles by one, not Eagles by two and a half. And I like the Dolphins. I think. One of the interesting things is that the Eagles' uh, run defense is really, really strong against inside runs, and the Dolphins run outside mm. a lot with all that speed. And, you know, having the, the big uglies in the middle, like the Jalen Carter, Fletcher Cox, and whatever, that's not going to help them stop those outside fast runs where you've got, like, one dude is jet sweep and another guy comes this way, and then they hand it to this guy going this way, and you don't know where the ball is. It's like three-card Monty. In terms of the rest of this slate, I think that uh, Detroit and Baltimore is another one that really has my eye. The Lions have been fantastic this year. They're fifth in the league in offensive EPA per play. Jared Goff. Jared Goff, Aaron Shots. Let's talk about Jared Goff because if you look at his last 17 games, 29 touchdowns, four picks, he's playing amazing. And for all the people that are saying, oh, Brock Purdy, MVP candidate, Tua Tungabailoa, MVP candidate, if you're saying those two, MVP you have to say Goff, too. Goff's in the same boat. Yeah, he's yes. very similar issues. Yeah. So I'm loving what I see from Detroit. I think right now they're the second-best team in the NFC. Baltimore feels wonky to me, and they felt wonky for the past, like, three years. Like, offensively, outside of Lamar, who's scaring you? Zay Flowers has been good, but they don't have any juice, in my opinion. He's handing the ball to Justice Hill and Gus Edwards. Odell Beckham for the three plays a game that he plays before he inevitably goes down with injury. Rashad Bateman hasn't been very good. And then nobody's scared of Nelson Aguilar or Devin Duvernay. I feel like Baltimore is Lamar or bust at this point. Yeah, everybody does. I mean, we have the Lions as the number two team in the league this year. We have them behind only San Francisco. So they've been fantastic and they've been very well balanced, right? They can run, they can pass, although their running backs are all injured for this game. Yeah. They can stop the run. They can stop the pass. Baltimore is very good. I mean, we have them sixth, uh, but the passing game has been very average. And you didn't mention Mark Andrews. I mean, that's who scares you is Mark Andrews, sure. right? But uh, there's no question people thought 
Todd Monken would show up and the uh, passing game would get much better. And it hasn't. It's been very average and more Aguilar than anybody wanted, certainly. So uh, this is another one where, I mean, the line is Ravens by three. And I, I just think the Lions are a better team. Yeah. I, I think a lot of it, too, when it comes to that is, okay, is Baltimore going to you know have one of those performances that they have each year where nobody can stop Lamar? He starts running the ball a little bit more. So we haven't really seen him. We haven't really seen "quote unquote" vintage Lamar this new offense yet. They've really, he's really held it in check in terms of not running the ball a lot. Um, Detroit, like they're a pick six away from being undefeated in that Seattle game, and with Jamison Williams now seemingly being a, a new piece and new weapon in the offense after the Tampa Bay game, Sam Laporte has had a really nice year, and defensively they're much better than what they were last year. They were thirty first. Oh, Thirty first in EPA per play last year. They're seventh in EPA per play right now in defense. Right now, they are playing so much better, and without a lot of guys that they brought in to make them better, like they've dealt with injuries to Branch and to Mosley and Garner Johnson. Like they've been missing some guys too, and they're still playing this well. Yeah, I mean, uh, they're even more impressive by DVOA. They're third uh, when you add in the opponent adjustments. So the defense has been fantastic. Aaron Glenn has done a great job. Wouldn't it be great for the NFL if the Detroit Lions won the Super Bowl? Oh, my goodness. It would be – It would be a great story. That would be a awesome. great story, yeah. That, that's something that would make 100% of people outside of NFC North fans happy. Even then, though. Like, if you're the outside Bears, of whatever the Lions, team they would – Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I, here's the thing. I talked to Ben Raven, who covers the uh, Lions for MLive, and – you know, I asked, you know, what's kind of the feeling around the beat? And, you know, he said that it doesn't feel like, but it feels very real that they can make a run at the NFC Championship game and it wouldn't be fluky. I think I'm kind of in the same boat where they could absolutely be one of the final four teams in the league. Yeah. Hey, you know, Jared Goff has led a team to a Super Bowl. Like it's happened. Like I know people don't want to write, you know, people we write them off, but he has led a team to a Super Bowl. So it's doable. And they have a lot of talent on both sides of the ball and good coaching, and a great offensive coordinator, and it is absolutely doable for them to make the NFC Championship game. Sure, yeah. I would I'm favor very, them against the Eagles right now. I would, too. I think that they're right now they're they're better than the Eagles, and I don't think it's much of a, a conversation in terms of just the way that they've played, the efficiency that they've been. No, it's not a huge drop-off. Uh, the Eagles are eighth in terms of efficiency. The Lions are fifth. Like It's not like a giant gap, but it's big enough where I can say, okay, the Lions, they've looked dominant. They've beaten teams by multiple scores multiple times this season. I just think right now they look more in sync and more just like a, a well-oiled machine than Philadelphia does. Yeah, I'm, I yes. I am curious what DVOA says about the New England Patriots because I wrote a piece on USA Today talking about, oh, they're horrible. They're so bad. If you look at the this year's team compared to the 2000 team where they went 5-11, and 11, this is on pace to be the worst Patriots team that Belichick has ever had. Um, oh, yeah, that point- 2000 team was surprisingly good in the first few games even though they were losing them. There, um, it's really funny because I do have been talking about like, oh, the Buffalo Bills were the best three and two team ever. The two thousand Patriots are the best one and four team ever. <laughs> is that interesting? And then they kind of fell off in the second half of the year. Uh, this is like the worst Patriots team since the early nineties. Yeah, it's not as bad as the early nineties because they were okay in the first couple games, right? They played Philadelphia close and, um. They played uh, – who was the second game against? Well, Miami. They played Miami close. 
and then they beat the Jets, and then it's just been horrible. The last three games are horrible, and there's just it's just there's no future to this. Like it's got to they've just got to reboot. And it's not this isn't like a a new thing with them either. A lot of it is like this is a just building blocks of okay, you know, a few years ago we'll give big money to Kendrick Bourne, Nelson Aguilar, we'll pay two tight ends and Johnny Smith and Hunter Henry and bring in a quarterback where very limited is Mac Jones. And, and no, no, I mean, look, uh, when Mac Jones was drafted, he was drafted mm-hmm. about where he should go, right? He has talent. He was like a mid first round pick and he was taken in the mid first round. And you thought he was a high floor, low ceiling guy. It turns out the floor is lower than we thought it was, but he was, you know, you can't write off the fact that he was good as a rookie. He was, people want to forget that that year ever happened, but he was good as a rookie and it looked good at first. But at this point, I think it's pretty clear that he is not the guy. So, um, they and they haven't drafted well in general, right? Things like Tyquan Thornton in the second round. It's just yeah, like not bad. Good. Not good. And when you look at I know that people wanted to come back heavily to like the Joe Judge, Matt Patricia stuff, and that's fair. I mean, that's definitely not gonna help his growth in year two. You bring in Bill O'Brien, supposed to be a better offense, supposed to who who they have, man. Like it's Juju Smith Schuster when he's healthy. It's very overpaid Devontae Parker when he's out there. It's Hunter Henry. The run game, like, coming into this year, everybody's really talking about Ramondre Stevenson. Your offensive line is a mess. Like the Saints, yes. they've had injuries. They've had injuries at the offensive line. They haven't put out the five offensive linemen they want to. Their offensive line is a mess. That's hurt the running game. You know, the most dangerous receiver is Kendrick Bourne, who is not a wide receiver one, even though he's underrated. It's just, It just is not good. Defensively, too, like they've had injuries to like Christian Gonzalez being lost for the year. That hurts a lot. Um, even then, though, like defensively, look at success rate. They've still been relatively okay. It's just that they're on the field a lot more than they should be. And- yeah, but people were talking before the season about, oh, this might be a top defense. It was never going to be a top defense. And with those guys injured, it's it's an average defense, but it's a yeah. bad offense. And they're the worst team in the league on special teams which is a shock because that's something that's so important to Belichick. And this is the second straight year they've had the worst special teams in the league. Do you think that the game is passing Bill Belichick by? There are elements of that. I think Bill Belichick, the GM, is not as good as Bill Belichick, the coach, and that that has kind of bitten them in the last few years. Um, I think... I think he needs to re- they need to restart. And the problem is Belichick doesn't want to restart because he wants the wins record. That yeah, that's also fair. Um Tara, do you think that he would go anywhere else? Or is this, you know, kind of a thing where it's New There's England been or some talk around here about him going somewhere else? Some people have suggested Washington, some people have suggested Chicago. Um oh, he's under contract, so it would need to be a trade. Mm. Right? The the Patriots are What's I think more likely than them firing Bill Belichick and just letting him go elsewhere is the Patriots making some kind of trade that sends him to an NFC team where he can pursue the record and a new young mind can come in here in New England. I'm I'm in New England for people who don't know. I'm in Worcester, Massachusetts. So uh, a new young mind can come in here and restart the franchise. 
this is fascinating to even think about at this point. Um, in terms of what that would look like, I mean, is, do you think that's something that Robert Kraft would do? I think he's more likely to trade Belichick than to fire him. Yeah. Because we, if if you do something like that, like let's, I mean, I you know, I don't know what people would think Belichick, but let's say that you send the ninth pick in the draft to Chicago and Belichick, the rights to Belichick and like the ninth pick for like the second pick, mm. like a second rounder or something. I don't know. Then you can say, you know, we wish Bill the best. We want right. Bill to break the record. We think Bill needs to go to a more established team in order to do so. We know that we need to sort of restart here. And then, I mean, you know, imagine if they could get the second or third overall pick from Chicago and take Drake May and Belichick and go coach Caleb Williams. And, and uh, uh, you know, it, that that may would work really well for both teams. So, um if you fire him, then you've got bad blood. And I don't think Kraft wants to have bad blood with Belichick. Sure. Ben Johnson and Drake May in New England, 2024. Who says no? Oh, God. I mean, I'd lo I would love that as a Patriots fan. That would be fantastic. Right. On the other side of this coin in this game, though, the Bills are eight-and-a-half-point favorites. They've had a couple weird games this year. I mean, obviously the Giants game was weird, but I still – feel like they're, you know, one of the three best teams in, in football right now. Yeah. Now here's the problem. The problem is the defensive injuries, right? There's no yeah. question. Uh, they lose white. They lose Milano. Von Miller is clearly not back. Right. The defense is, that's a problematic, uh, offense. I mean, offensively there's, they're, they're fine. Uh, they have had some huge wins right? Like last week against the Giants was a bad game, but like yeah. their game against the Dolphins is the number one single game of the year based on the Dolphins by four touchdowns. Yeah. There's the number one best game that any team has had by a lot when you adjust for the quality of the opponent. So, mm -hmm. I mean, when the bills are firing on cylinders, they can absolutely win it all. But I mean, there's no question that their chances are much less than we thought they were before the season started because of Miami being so good and therefore the Bills, you know, more likely to get a wild card and because the defensive injuries are a problem. How, how low do you think it brings their ceiling without Trey White and Matt Milano? I mean, I don't know if I would say they were one of the top three teams. They might be the fourth or fifth best team mm -hmm. at this point. Like, okay. um, and I, you know, I picked the Bills to win it all this year. So, uh, I'm very much on the Bills bandwagon, but when you watch the game against the Giants, like Wandale Robinson caught eight out of eight targets, right? That's the kind of place where like Matt Milano is guarding the middle of the field. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the Giants were throwing to the slot receiver and the tight end. You lose Milano. And, you know, I'm definitely in the analytics world of believing that off-ball linebacker is not as important a position as other positions on the defense but if you have a top off-ball linebacker it does matter and the top off-ball linebackers in the league are probably fred warner roquan smith and matt milano yeah i think the bills are going to be fine i still think they're going to have a deep run in january um yeah it's just been they have been i mean the biggest thing keeping them from a deep run in january is that they'll run into kansas city or miami yeah they're probably going to have to beat both Kansas City and Miami. 
yeah, I'm trying to think of a scenario where they would only have to run into one of them. It's hard to find one though. The best scenario for them to run into one of them is for Miami to be upset or Kansas City to be upset in an earlier yeah. round. They're probably going to have to beat both of them in the playoffs. That'd be a hell of a run though. If you want to talk about establishing a legacy for Josh Allen, I mean, beating both Miami and Kansas City on the way to winning a Super Bowl, that's... Uh... Beating my, beating Miami without Milano and White would be a heck of a do. Dolphins right, because I be think happy. White got injured in that game. I think he did too. And Milano got injured in the next game. Yeah, they haven't had the best luck when it comes to that. Um on the bright side for them, though, their pass rush, like guys like Epineso stepped up, Rousseau stepped up, and that's been good to see because, you know, once Von Miller went down last year, the They're pass a great, rush. deep, well run, well run, deep team, deep at almost every position. I mean, they, you know, they, uh, they're they unbelievably well built. I think they're well coached. I know that some Bills fans have a problem, problem with McDermott. I think McDermott is a good coach. They're just a strong overall team. I mean, I, I, I'm a big Bills backer. Josh Allen is MVP right now. Uh, he's my MVP right now too. He, I think he's no one is playing the quarterback position better than he is at this very moment. Yeah. The uh, the Chargers. Let's talk about them. Why not? Because I'm sure that DVOA has a lot to say about the Los Angeles Chargers. Um, five and a half point dogs on the road against Kansas City. These two tend to play each other pretty close, so I think five and a half is a fair number right now. Um, what are your overall thoughts on the Chargers? We'll get into the Chiefs. I'm sure we have similar thoughts on the Chiefs, but the Chargers, the Chargers are 13th or 14th. You know, I'm not quite where Mike Tanier is. You know, uh, I do a podcast with Mike Tanier twice a week at FTN. One of my uh, favorite Mike writes, on with Mike Tanier. Mike writes for themessenger.com now. He's like a big Herbert skeptic. He is, yes, yes, he is. I am not quite where he is, but at a certain point, you want to see Herbert like do the deal. Right, like, yeah. I mean, I, I know he's missing Mike Williams, and and and, uh, but at a certain point, it seems like Herbert is, he's, the second tier. You know, he's mm. behind Allen, he's behind Mahomes, he's behind a healthy Burrow, he's behind Tua and the Miami scheme, he's behind Purdy. <laughs> Very important to throw in there. <laughs> what? Sorry, what? That's a very important caveat to throw in there. Right. Yes. And he's behind Goff and the Detroit scheme, right? Like they don't have the scheme. Kellen Moore is a good offensive coordinator, but he's not uh, doing for Herbert what no. Ben Johnson and uh, Mac Mike McDaniel and Kyle Shanahan do for their quarterbacks. And it just feels like oh, this team is just never going to get over the hump, you know? I mean, if you're Tom Telesco, you got to be looking at this and be like, look, Let's, especially right now, you're two and three. They're not going to fire Staley midseason, obviously. But like going into this offseason, you're seeing what this offense is. Okay, you brought in more this year. He's supposed to be, you know, this godsend from Dallas. Who, but largely, like him and Lombardi, similar in a lot of ways, where they're not going to push the ball down the field. Why not go get Ben Johnson and make him? And we didn't think it would be like that. We didn't think more would be reticent to have the offense push the ball down the field. It's but been it largely been. a lateral move with Lombardi to Kellen Moore, which isn't what any of us thought would happen. Yeah. No, I agree. It's it's uh, surprising. And, you know, and the defense is, you yeah, know, okay. Patting themselves on the back after giving up 500 yards because they stopped the run better than they did last year against Miami. 
What a, yeah, I mean, it's just, team. you know, the, it just feels like the Chargers are good, but not great, and they're never going to quite get over the hump. And, you know, but when you get to the playoffs, you know, Chargers and Miami, who do you favor? Right? Chargers and Chiefs, who do you favor? Chargers and right. Bills, who do you favor? Right? Like all those matchups, they would have to beat two or three of those teams to make it to the Super Bowl, and it just does not seem likely. No, no, it does not. Um, on the other side, uh, the Chiefs. So since 2018, since Mahomes took over, they have not averaged less than 28.2 points per game throughout a season. Right now, they're averaging 24.5. The offense just seems a little bit off. We can attribute a lot of that to, okay, you know, they don't really have an established wide receiver one outside of Kelsey. They don't have a guy who can stretch the field vertically. Um, what, what, what are your takeaways right now on, on the Chiefs? I mean – there's no question this is the weakest Chiefs offense of the Holmes, Mahomes era, but I yeah. feel like they'll kind of get it together and be better than this. And the defense has been strong. Oh, so they've been a stronger. They're a top 10 team in all phases of the game in DVOA. So I think they feel weaker to us because we're not used to this. We're not used to a team for the Chiefs where the defense is as good as the offense. But right. in the long run, they're still one of the top Super Bowl contenders. Absolutely. And I think what doesn't get talked about enough is how well they've drafted and built a team around Mahomes and Kelsey. Like you look at their defensive guys right now, McDuffie, Sneed, Karloftis, Bolton, Gay, like all of these are homegrown guys that they brought in in the past couple of years. And all of them have played fantastic. Yeah, definitely. Um, and Spagnolo is a good defensive coordinator and his blitzes yeah. work right now. Kansas city's defense 3.3 yards per play allowed when they blitz damn i assume that's is that top in the league or it's got to be close i don't know if that's top in the league but that's really good it's 6.3 when they don't blitz it's 3.3 when they do blitz. Oh, that's quite the discrepancy yeah yeah I, I do think that they'll be fine and as long as you have andy Reid, as long as you have mahomes and as long as Kel by the way, how long do we think Kelsey can keep doing this? Like he's a quiet like thirty-five. Like how many how many good years of this? Yeah, it's, people don't realize how old Kelsey is because he came into the league old. He was yeah. twenty-four, I think, in his rookie year, and then he barely played until his second year. Mm -hmm. So people don't realize how old he is. Um, I don't know how much longer he can do it. Honestly, he's he may be Tony Gonzalez and can do it into his late thirties. I, mean, I was cool. having this discussion with a Kansas City reporter earlier this week, actually having the argument about who's the best tight end of all time career wise. Right. Because mm. peak, I think a lot of people would feel it's Gronk. Yeah. But career wise, it's interesting because the argument is Travis Kelsey versus Tony Gonzalez. And Tony Gonzalez does not have a natural constituency because he played for the same team as Kelsey. Right. So all the Kansas City fans argue Kelsey and there's nobody to really argue for Gonzalez. Where do you fall on that? Because I think I would take Kelsey over Gronk. Uh, I would take Gronk over Kelsey as a peak okay. for peak. And okay. I would take Gonzalez over Kelsey for career. But another couple of years of this, and I would take Kelsey. Okay. I think Kelsey is the number two tight end career-wise and the number two tight end peak-wise. Those I think those the are all The blocking difference between Kelsey and Gronk. The blocking difference is absolutely yes, huge. Yeah. Speaking of tight ends, the 49ers, the Vikings, they'll face off in the battle of Kyle Shanahan's adoptive sons, Kirk Cousins and Brock Purdy. Um, Purdy had by far the worst game of his career against Cleveland. Um, now we saw Williams went down, McCaffrey went down. 
Um, so a little bit of factors playing into maybe his poor performance, but he was missing throws all day. Like I think Brandon Ayuk had eight targets and he had a few catches up until the final drive where it, it, it just wasn't in sync. Um, thoughts overall after that game, how much do was there any variance for you in terms of, okay, yeah, the 49ers might not be as good. I think that they're going to be fine. No, I think they're still really good when they get, when they have their guys healthy. And, you know, some of what happened with Purdy was not all of his guys were on the field and some of it was just random variation. He just had a bad day. Everybody has a bad day every so often. Yeah. It happens. The Vikings, if they want to get right, the Vikings are a good team to get right against. Here, Here's a stat showing the difference between these teams, right? Okay. The worst down and distance combo, uh, not down and distance, down and play combo for San Francisco's offense is runs on third down. They are ninth in DVOA. Okay. The best down and play combo for Minnesota's defense is runs on third down. They're oh. 10th. So the place where the 49ers offense is worse is better than the place where the Vikings defense is at its best. That's crazy. That is absolutely absurd. The Vikings, like, look, I know that, you know, last year and coming into this year, it's like, oh, they're not going to sustain one score wins again and 13 wins is a, I don't think anybody expected that. But right now, man, like, Flores is, I mean, God bless him. He's living and dying by his sword and he's blitzing like hell. And, but this was always going to be a multi-year project with that defense, especially with all the veterans that came and gone and they're figuring out how these new pieces fit. Like even last week against a bad Chicago team, the offense couldn't really get anything going. And I get that Jefferson's not there, but against that Bears defense, he's still got Hawkinson, he's still got Addison. I expected a little bit more from that side of the ball. Yeah, I mean, uh, they're, they're a very average team. You know, last year our ratings probably had them lower than they really should have been, but they're probably a little better this year when Jefferson's healthy. Now that Jefferson's not healthy, they're not. But it's not, I mean, it's not impressive. That's, I mean, that's one of the things about the Lions. They're running away with that division because the problems of the other teams in that division. It's not the best Monday night game, honestly. Like, no, no. Is, eh, you know, they're there, kind of. All right. I'm sure Buck and Aikman will figure out uh, ways to to get through when the 49ers are winning by three scores in the third quarter. They'll they'll riff and Aikman will reference his playing days, and it'll be it'll be a good time for all to be had. Yeah. Um, I did want to talk about the Texans. We we mentioned them a little bit ago. C.J. Stroud, nine touchdowns, one pick. We right now he's 11th in the league in EPA per play. What does he look like in terms of your rankings and DVOA wise? What does Houston look like? In that I think he they're average. They're average, which is better than anyone could have expected. Mm -hmm. uh, he's like had like the first five games. He was like the fifth best rookie quarterback ever through five games, through five starts. That's crazy. Uh, he's he's absolutely having a fantastic start. Uh, most of the guys on that list of the best rookie quarterbacks had careers, right? Like other than like uh, Robert Griffin, who who got hurt. Yeah. Um. So I think he's absolutely shown he's he's for real. Um. I don't think we're at the point yet where you can say that Carolina made a mistake. No. Because you don't write off Bryce Young after six games. Like you've got plus he's, he's throwing Bryce Young is throwing to you and Nobody? I right receiver. Well, Adam Thielen, right? But sure. uh but but you can say that Stroud is good. It would be very unlikely for Stroud to have had this start and then to turn out to be bad. 
And he's doing it by throwing to like no offense to like Nico Collins, but it's not like he's you know one of the most. Nico's having a great movie. year. Nico's having a fantastic year. He's, yeah, like Robert Woods is over the hill, and and um, Tank Dell, the rookie out of Houston, is a rookie. Yeah. You know, and the tight ends are not really special. Dalton Schultz. Yeah, Dalton right. Schultz is not really special. I understand they gave him a nice contract, but he's not. He's not a. He doesn't move the needle for me. How much of that was just okay? He was. The Cowboys tight end, he had a lot of limelight last year because he played for Dallas. How much of that was just, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll bring him in. Yeah, and like, let's bring in a veteran tight end to help the rookie. And, yeah. you know, uh, but, um, you know, listen, we we got on them for the trade, and I still feel the trade was a mistake. But Will Anderson has been great. Yeah. And, um, I mean, one thing nobody said was, you know, they traded next year's first to move up for Will Anderson. Anderson and Stroud are, are going to be bad. It's just we felt they gave up too much. And I still feel they gave up too much value right. to move from Lucas Van Ness to Will Anderson. <laughs> that the value they gave up is not worth the difference between those two players. But there's no question. Anderson is special, and he's played very well. And Stroud is special, and he's played very well. And good on them. And D'Amico Ryans has done a good coaching job. He won't win coach of the year. Because at this point, it'll either go to Mike McDaniel or Kyle Shanahan because of the offensive scheming. But uh, but D'Amico Ryans has done a good job. What were your expectations of them coming into the season compared to what you think that they could do now? Sorry, say that again? What were your expectations for what they would do coming into this year? Well, that they would to... be like one of the worst teams in the league. I mean, right. you, you can't expect rookie quarterbacks to be good. No. The expectation, even for the highest drafted quarterbacks, is that it'll be like what Bryce Young is experiencing. Right. And I just, you know, and so once you've got a, their defense was bad last year and the quarterback you have to expect is going to struggle as a rookie. And so you're like, it's going to be one of the worst teams in the league. I'm, this is the most surprising uh, team to me compared to my expectations before the season. I'm pulling up their schedule right now because I want to, like they're sitting at three and three right now. Their, their next three games, Carolina, Tampa Bay, Cincinnati. I think that they, they'll beat Carolina. I think they'll beat Tampa Bay. And I think that Cincinnati, depending on what version of the Bengals shows up, that's kind of a toss-up. Is there a chance that we can see, see Houston make a run at like the seventh seed in the AFC playoff picture? Sure. Yeah. I mean, they're, I mean, you know, average teams make a run at the seventh seed all the time. So, I, you know, I think uh, good on them. They've done a good job. As the uh, the resident Steelers fan, I do need to ask you about the Steelers offense and what you think of them, where they fall DVOA-wise, because my goodness, man, I, I make my living talking about Matt Canada, which is unfortunate um, because I can't I can't do it anymore, Aaron Schatz. Um, but overall, what, what do we have to really base them off of in terms of comparison? Because this offense is like historically just weird and bad and i can't think of something off the top of my head to compare it to i mean they're just bad but they're not historically bad i mean they're not the worst offense in the league this year we have the worst offense in the league this year as the giants by a good okay. okay as bad as the patriots have been as bad as the steelers have been uh the panthers like the giants have the worst offense in the league this year um but yeah you know it, i thought the steelers would be better than this yeah um and their offense seems the funny thing is the the lack of play action 
it's been a Steelers thing for years and years. It goes before Matt Canada. Yeah. Right. Roethlisberger didn't like to use play action. And then Roethlisberger got hurt for a year and got hurt for a year. And Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges weren't using play action. And then they got a new offensive coordinator and he didn't use play action. Like, what the what is the deal with Pittsburgh not using play action? I don't understand. Yeah. So Canada doesn't use it. Randy Feigner didn't use it. Todd Haley used it a more, but if I had to guess, probably still less than the league average. Steelers have been at the bottom of the league for years and years and years. And the offensive line's still a problem. Like they got a little bit. They brought in Isaac Samalo from Philadelphia over the offseason. I mean, the but, fact that the rookie left tackle didn't win the job. I mean, he's had to play because of healthy uh, health issues. And he looked good last week when he played, and they're still turning the keys back over to Dan Moore, which is a big head-scratching move by Tom. Um, you know, we thought Pickett should improve a little bit in his second year. He hasn't really improved. Um, but I think there's not... a lot of parallels between the Steelers and the Patriots right now. I'd say that that's true. That's true, going to the fact that the defense still has some stars and the defense still makes some waves for both teams, yeah. right? The Patriots' stars got hurt, but, the, you know, the defense yeah. still makes some waves for both teams. What uh, In terms of things that you're going to be keeping a close eye on this weekend, um, what sticks out to you the most? Maybe anything that we haven't talked about yet or just, you know, anything that you're keeping a close eye on in general. I mean, to talk about the Steelers means talking about the Rams, right? How how real are the Rams? Like, mm. um, if you if you go by priors, and you know our numbers suggest at this point priors are still half of like how you should rate teams. The Steelers should be better, right? Get based on what we knew going into the season. But the Rams are fifth in offensive DVOA this year. Their wow. defense has been better. Akella Witherspoon, Akella Witherspoon <laughs> has been one of the top cornerbacks in the league. Like, where did that come from? So I think what's interesting about the Steelers game is not the Steelers, but the Rams. Like, what can the Rams really do? Who really are the Rams? And, uh, yeah, that's interesting this week. Aaron Schatz, thank you so much. This is the first time we've ever done anything together, and I've been wanting to for a very long time. Not, uh, I'm going to tell you the same thing that I always tell Tanir and Doug Farrar not to date you or anything. I think I told you this when I first met you. I grew up reading you and I grew up watching you and to be able to do this with you is very cool. I've been doing this a long time. For folks who don't know where to find me now, by the way, now that Football Outsiders is defunct, I'm at ftnfantasy.com slash DVOA. That is where you will find my content and my numbers. And by the way, the best, best statistical analysis in football today and it makes me a smarter writer, makes me a smarter analyst, and it makes fans smarter. So go and subscribe to FTN Fantasy DVOA from Aaron Schatz. Aaron, I can't thank you enough for doing this. I would love to do it again very soon. Thank you so much for coming on today, sir. Thanks for having me on. Everybody, thank you so much for tuning into the Pump Fake, what you can get from me this week. Um, the aforementioned piece on USA Today about the Patriots. I'm doing another one on uh, the Saints today, and then all the stuff from behind the steel curtain as well, Steelers-wise. You know where to find it. And then next week, we'll be back to uh, recap week seven on Tuesday. Talk about week eight later on in the week. You know how it goes. Thank you so much for tuning into the Pump Fake. See you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.